0: Would you please stand this morning for the reading of God's word in Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. Now, Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins as we forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. Today we're beginning our new sermon series, as we talked about a little bit already, on understanding how to pray. (laughs) And obviously the best place to jump out and learn how to pray is In the way that jesus answered his disciples when they said lord teach us to pray (laughs) please teach us (laughs) please instruct us what we ought to do and obviously i mean i think this goes without saying surely right that we would desire to learn to speak to the creator of the universe properly amen this is something that we would all want and and we would want to be disciplined in it and and we would want to be be growing in this skill because as as god's people we have access to Him. So you see, that's what we do at the beginning of our service. The, the point of the, of the beginning of our service, when we stand together and we, when we raise our hands together, we're, we're reminding ourselves, we're reminding ourselves that we are now entering into the throne room of God, right? And we are assembling there with all the other faithful believers from all over the world, gathering with them simultaneously to worship the Creator. We have access to Him. And not only do we have access to him on Sunday mornings, but the, the veil is torn at the resurrection of Christ, meaning that we have access to God as his people, as, as priests, the, the priesthood of the believer. That's who we are now. As being God's people who follow him, we, we can access him, we can talk to him, we can be with him when we desire. We, we are like a, like a child with a father. Um, whenever you've got a, a two-year-old, three-year-old, four-year-old, and they're thirsty at 2 o'clock in the morning, what do they do? Dad, can I have some water? <laughs> right? That's just that's how they're wired. And, and us, as God's people, we have that degree of access to the Father. And so it, it is our responsibility as His people to now learn how He wants us to talk to Him. And we should desire as his people to be better at that skill. Now, one of the ways that God teaches us how to pray is through trials. Amen? You know that's right. You know that's right. I've got this sweet foot thing going on this week. I sent the weirdest prayer request ever to our Christ Church Opelousas men's group this week. I said, men, pray for my foot. I just felt weird. <laughs> I just felt weird. But I had this weird thing going on for several days where I just I haven't been able to walk. In fact, yesterday I I mean I'm 38 and I'm like holding on to my wife like like a pawpaw that can hardly get around the house. Like it was bad, man. But you know what the Lord did for me in my foot affliction? He made me pray a lot. <laughs> he made me pray a lot. God help, <laughs> please help. I I would like to be more fruitful than this. I would like to, I think you would like that for me too. So please, please help, please fix this. And also prayers like, God, I, I know that all trials and afflictions, they come from you for a good purpose. And so I trust you. You're doing a good thing here, and I don't know what it is. And by God's grace, I'm, I'm actually able to stand today, which is way different than it has been for the last couple of days. The Lord's given me a lot of grace, and so I'm able to stand here and, and preach to you this morning. So the Lord has answered those prayers, and it's great. But, you know, wouldn't it be great, though, if we could learn how to pray without a trial? Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> you know, like, And I think the Lord wants to teach us that. That's part of our goal here. What I want to do today is, is build the scaffold so that so that we can develop and practice a, a discipline of prayer that's biblical. So that when the trials hit, we're not shooting from the hip. Do you know what I'm saying? We're, we're not we're not reaching out and just I don't know. God, please help. Where we've got categories of, of the right way and the wrong way to pray, and we can be developing and cultivating those habits now. And I'm going to say a couple of things today. I think that. That might be surprising to you, but that's okay. I feel like that's been every Sunday for like the last four years. So, you know, why not? Let's just keep going while we're at it. But as we continue to move and learn and grow here, our desire is that we would hone this skill for the glory of God and the betterment of his church and of his people. So today, we're going to look in depth here at Jesus' response to his disciples when the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. What's his first thing that He says, He says, when you pray, say what? Say, Father. We're going to spend a lot of time just right there. When you pray, say, Father. There's a lot inside of that little phrase. Um, So we're going to attempt to take kind of a crack at it and just go carefully. But first, here's one of the first things. Now, if you've got, um, we're sending emails out with, you know, super reduced, I need to just go to bed those anti-inflammatories. Super reduced outline. So you can follow along a little bit with where we're going this morning. If you're into that, you know, we'll send that out from the Christchurch email account. Um, but you can also just listen. But first off, first bit that we should be getting from this. How does a child talk to their father? How, how does a... How does a now I'm not saying like a child who's got a little wisdom behind him. I'm saying like picture the 2-year-old, the 3-year-old, the 4-year-old, right? The little kids. How do little kids talk to their dad? They say what? Whatever they want, whenever they want to, right? <laughs> that's 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 how little tiny little boys, little girls talk to their dads. They There's a lot to it. They don't say, great father in thine recliner here in thy living room, willst thou, you know, like that's not a part of it at all. Whenever they go up to talk to their dad, they're like, dad, I can have that. Right? Dad, I need help. I'm on the toilet. Right? Like this, amen. Like some of y'all are like, amen, (laughs) yes. (laughs) Please help. I've fallen into the toilet. You know, like pick your thing here. But this is the way that, that little children interact with their fathers. In other words, here's, here's my point here little kids don't talk to dad with style in mind, right? They don't at all. It's not even on their radar. They're not trying to talk to dad in such a way that dad is like, I'm very impressed. By the way, you've made this request, and now I will give it more credence. They don't do that at all. Uh, they, they're just like, Dad, I can have that? Dad, toilet. You know, Dad, water. You know, that's, that's how they interact. They, they aren't thinking about style. And I think that's one of the first things that we can take away from this. When you pray, say, Father. You got to remember what your dynamic, what your relationship is here. When you pray, the first thing that Jesus says is say, Father, remember who you are and who he is and remember the high degree of access that he has given you. Style is not what we're looking for here. In other words, you don't need to be trying to pray prayers that impress when you talk to your Lord. You can just talk to him. I've been asked to pray at several public events, and despite my best efforts, I keep getting invited back to pray at them again. I don't understand why. It keeps happening. It just keeps happening. Clearly, the Lord is doing something here. And one of the things that happens is occasionally after I'll pray at one of those kinds of events, a few folks walk up to me and they say, thank you for your wonderful prayer. And for me, that's like an indication of failure. You know, that's like, man, I don't know that I went hard enough. (laughs) I don't know that I prayed hard enough. I don't know that I said it right. There's been a few times where after I finish a prayer, the room just kind of has an awkward silence to it. And I'm like, all right, I think we did it. I think, I think we recited Psalm 2 correctly. I think I risked not being invited back. I think we got it right this time. I think we got it right. But the temptation when you get invited into those kinds of things is to do what? Is to pray pretty, right? Is to is to is to have a, an eloquent. When, when you get into public prayer scenarios, you you want things to, to go over well. And you, you want you maybe want to be a little bit impressive to the folks in the audience, which really all just is another way of saying what? You want to have a little bit of style, right? A little bit of flair. Now different cultures have different styles of prayer if you're from like a highly intellectual culture, you know, which we are not, uh, but if if we were, then we would have lots of these and thous and big words and want to be impressive and talk about propitiation and all these different things as, as we're going through our prayers. If we were from more of a, an an emotional driven culture, then we would have loud moments and then big drops and drama and ebbs and flows. You ever heard one of those prayers before? Or, Or if we were from more of like a charismatic type culture, then, you know, I don't know, maybe we're going to start slaying people in the spirit in the middle of the prayers. I don't know. But there are degrees of ebbs and flows of style that everybody gets tempted with in those situations. But here's the big idea behind praying with style. No matter what style I'm talking about here, here's the big deal behind praying with style. And don't think, by the way, that you don't get tempted to do this when people ask you to pray at family dinner, right? Or you get asked to pray at a, a, you know, a school event or something like that. Or you get asked, to, like, don't think that you don't get tempted with this because you do. Don't think that this only applies to large public spheres. It applies to all things. But the big idea behind praying with style is that that's exactly how the Pharisees prayed. And that's exactly who Jesus was rebuking. Now here, here's what I'm talking about. Now, that, that may be a, a different style than what we're talking about. They used big words, vain repetitions. They wanted to impress, in fact, the very way that they dressed was supposed to be impressive. And the Bible says things like their, their tassels were long and their phylacteries broad. And that just basically means they put on a big show all their appearance was meant to impress people. But see, that's a, that's a sin of style. Do you see what I'm saying? In other words, if when you pray, you're not thinking about the one whom you're speaking to. Instead, you're thinking primarily about how it's going to go over with the people who are listening. You've fallen into the temptation of style. Does that make sense? You've you've acquiesced. You've now decided that that your audience is the room that you're in and not God in the heavens. That's That's the prayer of style. Now, I, I do think it's important to be aware of who you are leading in corporate prayer and try to be on the same page with them and not say things that are way too high or way too low, and, and because it is a corporate event. Do you all get what I'm saying here? But if your primary driver is to make sure that what you say goes over well with the people in the audience and is not something that's directed towards the God of heaven, you've lost it, and you're sinning, and you've fallen into the sin of, of impression, of, of style, of fear of man, however you'd... You'd want to call it. And this could look a lot of different ways today, okay? Like, this could look a lot of different ways. Maybe you, maybe you slip a joke into your prayer. You know what I'm talking about? You ever been around some places like that? And all, There's a little joke. Oh, I got some comic relief in the prayer time. Good, feels good. Uh, maybe there's, it's really just a motivational speech to inspire the audience around you disguised as a prayer. You ever heard one of those before? God, I know that you've called us to be conquerors among the people. That's a motivational speech, Right? Watch out for that. Or or maybe you're just trying to, I don't know, make yourself look good or smart or holy or or whatever. Pick your poison. But you need to be wary of fighting that temptation to pray with style. Okay? you got to watch out. you got to pay attention. But how do we fight it? Go all the way back to the beginning. When you pray, say what? Come on, say it with me. When you pray, say, Father. There it is. Amen. I got the little voices in the back. I love it. See, here's one of the things that I mean. My my kids know that they've got me. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like as as dad, okay? So I'm I'm going back into the father and children illustration from earlier that we were talking about before. My, My kids know that they've got me. My kids know that they, they don't have to win me over. I'm won over. They've, they've got me, okay? I'm, I'm their dad. They're my kids. It is what it is. I, I was won over whenever they were born. In other words, my kids know that they don't, they don't have to impress me. Now, they still want to. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting with your kiddos? Like, your kiddos, when they're secure with you, they know they don't have to impress you, but they still say, Dad, come and see what I made, right? Isn't that cool, the way that that works? They, they know that they don't have to, but, man, they, they want to. They want dad to be proud, but they also feel free to let their their guard down with me because it's dad and they've got me and I'm not going anywhere. You see, what Jesus is saying is that when we pray, Jesus says, first off, remember that But see, the Pharisees, this is a complete contrast to what's going on in Jesus' time because the Pharisees and their public prayers and their lifestyle only made God seem far away to everybody else. Because when the Pharisees prayed, they dressed themselves up a certain way. They did it loud and in the public sphere and, and with grandiose exhibition so that the common people would see the way the Pharisees were praying and would think things like, I could never do that. I can never be as close to God as that guy is because of what he's doing. Do you see what I'm saying? Jesus is intentionally contrasting this. What Jesus is trying to help God's people remember is that he's near. And if they trust him, if they are his, then he is as near to them as a father. He's not far off, okay? He's right there. And we, as his people, have access to him. Something else that we should get from this this is kind of an aside, but I, I do want to spend a few minutes on this. Something else that we should get from this is that it, this is important for us to illustrate to our children. Okay? Now, here's what I mean. Parents, y'all listen. Dial in. Like, let's go. Focus up. Here we go. This is important. Hey, moms and dads, teach your kids that their prayers matter. Do you listen? Listen. This is important. Teach your kids that their prayers matter. Because what you might be mistakenly doing in your house is creating an environment where only mom and dad have access to God. And the kids have access to God through mom and dad. Do you all follow with me here? Do you see what I'm saying? And that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches, yeah, there's a hierarchy and there's a covenant representative and all of those things are important, yeah, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, just ignore it, you know, worry about that another day. But the Bible makes it plain that his promises are for you and for what? Your children. Which means that, hey, believing parents, your kids have access to God in the same way that you do. Do you hear me? I hope this, I, I don't think this is new, but I, I'm gonna say it five more times just to make sure that we hammer it all the way down. Listen to me. <coughs> believing parents, your kids. Have access to God in the same way that you do. His promises are for you and for what? Your children. So teach that to your kids. I mean, I can't tell you how many times that I've asked my kids to pray and they've prayed and stuff has happened. (laughs) Okay? The Lord delights in the prayers of his people and there's something special about praying with the disposition of a child. Right? Because a kid says, Well, this is true. Let's pray. Like, <laughs> we have all this baggage and all this stuff, and we think about, Well, but I mean, I have a reality. Oh, and the kid's like, I don't know. The Bible says that's true, Dad. It seems like you should repent. I love it. There is a disposition that we, as God's people, need to return and cultivate in our children. What, what did Jesus say? Don't hinder the children. Amen? All the all the the, far, uh, sorry, not the Pharisees, the disciples and Jesus are out and all the little kids start swarming Jesus. And what do the disciples do? Oh, here comes these grubby kids. You know what I'm talking about? Get the kids off of Jesus. Jesus doesn't have time for you, kids. Man, what a terrible, it's just a terrible image of the gospel, right? And Jesus stands up, rightfully so, and says to his disciples, stop it. (laughs) Do not hinder these kids. They got more faith than y'all got. Let them come. Let them come. Let the little children come to Jesus. God has a special disposition towards children. Let them come, he says. But see, the world that we live in today only thinks of children as an inconvenience, right? Y'all know this is true. I don't have to unpack this for you, do I? Well, we'll unpack it anyway. Let's go. The vast majority of contemporary churches that exist today, whenever you go into worship service, you, you take your kids and you pack them up and ship them off to a different worship service, right? They go to kids' church with a Z, okay? Because it's cool like that. Largely why? Well, so they don't distract us during worship. We don't, We can't bear with the children during That's what Jesus said. Get those kids out of here, right? That's what Jesus said. No. He said, let them come. Let them come. And if we're meeting with a very important person that day, well, you better make sure those kids have a sitter because we can't risk them doing anything embarrassing while something important is happening, Right? you should have thought about that before you had children (laughs) that's the children are like they're like factories it's wonderful but jesus the most important person the most important person said what let them come don't hinder them do not restrain them and he says that in fact you adults should pray with that disposition there's so much we can learn from that. To talk to, to talk to a king. I mean, think about it. Okay. Like if you're, if you're going in to one of the old, all powerful kings of the world, the kings of Persia and Babylon and the Egyptian pharaoh, if you walked in to talk to one of those kings, you would have to gin up quite a bit of courage because those kings in those days, they were the law. Okay. The king was the law. If the king decided you were going to die because he didn't like the way you looked, you were going to die. That was it. But a father at 3 a.m., Dad, I can have some water. Hey, Dad, I know you're dead asleep, but I need some water. I get some water, Dad. You see, it's a, it's a completely different disposition. So that means that as we teach our kids to pray, that's the disposition that we should be training them with. And it's the disposition that we should be retraining ourselves with, access as a child to the Father. Does that make sense? Okay, I think we got it. But something else to remember here on the same point is why we don't want to manufacture large impressive PhD dissertation style prayers for the sake of those in the audience or in order for us to feel qualified to approach God. God is our father. Amen. But he ain't your boyfriend. Okay? Listen. Listen. Yes, there are children coos happening in the room around us. Praise God. Listen. He's your father not your boyfriend. There's a difference. And we need to talk through that one a little bit more, I think. One of the things, if you're new to Christ Church, that you've noticed is we sing very selective songs. If you were here this morning, and maybe this is the first time you're here, you probably looked at the songs that we've sung so far, and you're like, I have no idea what these are. Amen. (laughs) We are very, very picky about the songs that we sing, and we basically sing nothing that plays on the Christian radio stations. Have y'all noticed that? Like, I don't do we sing anything that plays? Maybe some hymns arranged that we found on there, but we basically sing nothing that plays on the, on the top 40 Christian contemporary music charts. Why is that? Because most of it is Jesus is my boyfriend music, right? I mean, it is. Most of it is Taylor Swift love ballads with Jesus thrown in there a couple of times, right? Like that's that's kind of the vibe. And that's that's not the way that we are told to approach the God of the universe. And if you swim in that water long enough that Jesus is my boyfriend water, then your prayers turn into Jesus is my boyfriend prayers. Do you know y'all get what I'm saying here? Maybe Maybe I'm right here and I need to bring it down a little bit more. He's not your boyfriend. He's your father. What does that mean specifically? It means that it adds a degree of reverence and and respect to what you're doing when you pray. Okay? My kids, they know that they can joke with me. They know that they can let their guard down with me. They know that they've got access to me, and we can be silly, and we can pal around, and we can wrestle, and we can all those wonderful things. But they also know that dealing with dad is different than dealing with other people. That there's a degree of authority that a father carries as a head of household. Amen? Amen? There's a degree of authority that a father carries. And as a result, there's a, there's a degree of, of reverence and, and respect. The father carries more authority than their teachers, more than mom. And that comes with with some type of respect and, and reverence from the children to the father. But it is, listen, it is reverent and relational. Do you all follow with me here? It is reverent, yes, but it is also Relational. There is a recognition of a father's power and authority, but there's also a recognition of a child's access. Do y'all see that happening at the same time here? Like whenever you were growing up and dad walked into the room and something was going down, everybody got serious all of a sudden, didn't they? You know. Like you, everybody was losing their minds a little bit. Kids climbing all over the furniture. The front door opens. Dad's home. Hey, why? Well, not because Dad was got to knock you all cattywampus. Although you know, maybe I don't know. But it was mostly because hey, the authority just walked in. The one who's who's who could do something, and we all know we doing something a little sideways right now. And the one who's going to do something about it just showed up. And so. I'm going to chill out. Right? Little boys are notorious for this. Little boys will will test mama all day long. Some of y'all got boys and you're like, amen. Little boys will test mama all day long. And then when dad gets home, the boys are like, why, hello, father. I have only been perfectly behaved all day long. There have been no problems. Would you like me to make you some soup? You know, like that's little boys. And then dad leaves the next day and then they come back and there's poop on the walls. You know, like this just... That's that's little boys. That's notorious. But you see dads, they carry that reverence, right? They carry that authority, that power and as a result they receive that reverence and that respect. You see, there's there's a middle. We have these two ditches in our culture and and we don't want to be in either of them. We instead want to cultivate a biblical prayer model in our personal lives and our public lives. We don't want to err on the side of the fake, high, pietistic prayers of the Roman Catholic churches. That's way too far. That's way too far. And we don't want to err on the side of the the non-denominational boyfriend prayers. That's way too far. So how do we do it? I'm glad you asked. Okay. <laughs> Excuse me. I'm going to throw out just a couple of general principles that I think if we work through carefully and apply throughout our lives, they're going to help us with that line between high fake pietism and boyfriend prayers. They're going to help us find the, the sweet middle. But these are just principles. I want to say that very clearly. I am I'm applying biblical principles here These are not laws, but I think if we apply these biblical principles, it's going to help us understand our proper disposition to the the Lord. Are y'all following with me here? So what I'm not saying is thou must or goeth to hell. Like I'm not saying that, but I am saying, I think if we understand and apply these biblical principles correctly, it's going to help us. Okay? So let's, let's take a swing. First, first. You ready? Your posture in prayer matters. I'm going to say that again. You can write it down if you're a note taker. You listen? Your posture in prayer matters. Now, what do I mean when I say posture? I, I don't mean philosophical. I don't mean mental. I mean literally your body. The way that, that you are shaped, the way that you uh, manipulate your standing or seated or kneeling position or whatever, your posture in prayer matters. And the, the three most common are head bowed, hands raised, or kneeling. Those are the three most common postures. And, and these three, head bowed, hands raised, and kneeling, will help you. They will. Here's here's my general underarching point. We are not Gnostics, okay? Okay, a, A Gnostic believes fundamentally in a sharp separation between the physical and the spiritual. We are not just spiritual beings trapped in a physical body. No, God created Adam and Eve whole as physical and spiritual beings right there all in one. We are not separated, just a soul trapped in a body. One day this body dies and then we're free to live our soul spirit lives. That's not who we are. Okay, You are a person. Whenever Jesus was resurrected from the dead, he was resurrected to his resurrected what? Body, right? So God made us to be physical people, which means your physical form appearance matters. You're not just spirits. God has given you a physical body and in every interaction that we have with other humans, with other humans, there are physical motions that we perform to show our respect. It could be something as simple as like a, like a head nod, right? It's some, hey, yeah, nice to meet you. It could be a, a slightly more formal, we don't do this anymore, but a, but a tip of the hat. Maybe some of you grew up in times where you, you still tipped your hat to the lady whenever she walked into the room. That's possible too. Some of you are like, yes, I throw the deuces. Same thing, right? No, <laughs> not the same thing. You know, um, one of the long-standing practices that I think we need to revive is the men standing when a woman enters the room. That's, why? Because that's a, that's a position of honor, right? It's the men giving honor to the, to the woman as she, as she comes in, as the, as the weaker vessel. One of the things that we practice at our family is all the boys stand until all the ladies are seated and the boys seated. And by all the boys, I mean me and my son, because there's two of us. <laughs> but it's a disposition. What we're trying to practice is, is say, hey, this is how we show honor. This is how we show we respect them. We want to honor them. Uh, for a long time, people would take their hats off whenever they would go inside. Remember, remember that practice? You take your hat off when you go in the house or wherever. Or they would take their hats off when they, when they pray. If you, ever practice, if you ever visit a military institution, they still practice that, right? Hats come off whenever you go inside, no matter what, because it's a sign of respect. Our military, in fact, if you want to continue in that vein, salutes out of respect, and in some cultures, they even bow or kneel, still to this day, before kings. So that's what we do between people, humans. Humans do that to other humans. So doesn't it make sense that when you would talk to the king of the universe, that something would change about your physical disposition? Of course it does. Because you honor with your body, right? You, you demonstrate honor to others with your body. It would make sense that there would be some type of reverent physical action that we would do. So let's, let's go through together a few just real fast. You probably noticed that we've begun raising our hands for the beginning and the closing of our services. Have y'all noticed that? I, I say, hey guys, uh, raise your hands with me as we enter into the throne room of heaven. And the whole point of that is that we're remembering, hey guys, we're going up. <laughs> That's really it. That's the whole point. We're ascending into the heavenly throne room together as God's people. And then we read our psalm and then we pray. And from that moment on, we remember, hey guys, guess where we are? We're in heaven, right? And we lift our hands out of worship. And if, if you haven't begun participating with us in that, I would greatly encourage you to do it. Hands up, palms out. Just like, it's easy. Easy stuff. Hands up, palms out. And we, we enter into the throne room of heaven together. Your posture towards God's means something. And I would encourage you not just to do it yourself, but to teach your kids to do it too. Your posture towards God means something. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8, I desire that in every place the men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or with quarreling. Psalm 63, verse 4, So I will bless you as long as I live in your name. I will lift up my hands. Now what's interesting here in our culture in the non-denominational, charismatic, light, assembly of God vibe kind of culture that we have here, people have no problem with raising their hands during worship, right? Like you go to any of those charismatic churches and you see hands up, hands down, it's almost like there's like signal flags. You ever watch the signal flag court? No, am I talking? Okay, never mind. sorry. But it's, that happens all the time in those services. But the problem that we have with it is when somebody tells us to do it. Isn't that interesting? We don't have a problem with raising our hands in worship, but we do have a problem with doing it when somebody else says we should. We have a problem, in other words, with doing it corporately. <clears throat> I, I want to feel the Spirit move, and I want to respond to the Spirit. Spirit. You see, that's radical individualism that's creeping back in. There's no issue issue with hand raising in worship, but there is an issue, and I would say you might have a sin problem if you only want to do it when you want to do it, and not whenever we're trying to do it as a corporate body. Do you get what I'm saying here? Now, listen, okay, I gotta, let me just qualify this all the way out because inevitably heard, somebody heard me say the wrong thing. So just listen close. I'm not saying that if you don't raise your hands at the beginning of worship, you're sinning. That's not what Stuart said. You heard that? But I am saying if you don't want to just because I said to, there might be a problem. <laughs> there might be a problem. And so I'd encourage you to joyfully lift your hands with the corporate, united, body of Christ and worship the living God together because that's who we are who's the bride of Christ me by myself no (laughs) we are as God's people and so we worship and we lift our hands to the light in him don't let that radical individualism that I'm gonna do what I want when I want to that's that weird westernist radical individualistic mindset you gotta you gotta get that out of here man we're God's people God's bride And the Lord has given us a hierarchy and an authority and we want to follow that authority and we want to worship together as the bride of Jesus. Amen? That's not hard. We got that one. Okay, next. Next posture point. This is probably the most obvious. Are you ready? Here's the most obvious one. Bowing your head in prayer is a sign of submission and reverence. Amen? All right, we got that one. That's easy. However, And this is the part where it gets a little weird. Um, Closing your eyes is not. Did you know that? Bowing your head in prayer, right? That physical action. That's a sign of submission. That's a sign of reverence, okay? But the closing your eyes thing, that's not. In fact, some of you have little tiny children. And I would encourage you, please don't close your eyes. Please keep them very open so that you can be fully aware of what's happening in the seats around you, okay? But the point is not... That we would bow our heads and close our eyes so that we cut ourselves off from the world. Because what is that? Oh, yes, I'm just, I'm only focusing on the me and God time. That's the same thing that we just talked about. That's that radical individualism. It's just me and the Lord. It's just me and the Lord here. And I'm forgetting everything else around me. Maybe it originated possibly as just a way to try and reduce distractions as people were entering into their prayer times. And that's fine. And hey, look, if you want to do that in your private time, that's totally fine. But generally speaking, in a corp- time of corporate prayer, bow your heads. You don't feel, need to feel the urge to close your eyes. That's kind of a new thing that's developed later on. <clears throat> and let's take it to the next level, shall we? So hands raised, heart lifted. We bow our heads when we pray. You don't have to close your eyes. Do that if you want to. However, if you have little kids, please don't close your eyes. Be aware of what they're doing. Lastly, I'm going to say this one. Get ready because this one might bother some of you. Are you ready? Kneeling is not a bad idea. It's not. Some of y'all are like, who cares? That sounds great, let's kneel. Okay, great. But let's just flesh it all the way out. It wouldn't be a terrible thing to kneel if you're physically able to as we do a corporate prayer of confession. I'm, I'm not saying here's a law. Remember, I gave you that qualifier at the very beginning. I'm saying your posture matters, And it wouldn't be a terrible thing to kneel as you're physically able to do so during our prayers of confession. That wouldn't be a terrible thing. But it's interesting though, even at the suggestion of that, it makes some of us feel a little uncomfortable. Kneeling? Kneeling? It bothers us a bit. I don't want to do that. That seems socially strange. Yeah, I know. You want to know why it seems socially strange? Because we are radically individualistic and kneeling in submission to another authority is a huge sign of recognizing that they are over us and we are beneath them. And you know what we don't like? That. But who are we kneeling before? If we kneel when we pray, who are we kneeling before? We're kneeling before the one who deserves to be kneeled before And if you go throughout the Bible and you read, whenever people have interactions with angels and with God, they're not just kneeling, but they're flat on their faces, man. They're laying all, they're as close to the ground as they can get. Sacrifice your autonomous independence. I'm not saying you all have to do it. I'm saying it wouldn't be a bad idea. It wouldn't be a bad idea to kneel. Psalm 95 verse 6, oh come, Let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Amen? So your posture matters. Hands up, heart lifted. Head bowed, eyes open. Kneels, meh. Go for it, man. I think a great time to do that would be during our prayer confession. If you want to, do it. If you were thinking about doing it, what I would do if if you were going to try that today is I would kneel and turn around and like lean on your seat, like face that way. Does that make sense? Because I think we'll all knock our heads on the back of the chairs in front of us. And of course, do so as you're physically able, if you feel so inclined. All right. Last thing. You ready? Last one. This, we're, okay, so that's physical posture. We're done with physical posture. Your posture matters. Great, moving on. Here's the last thing that I want to say. <coughs> Maybe, in your prayers, it would be a good idea to think about what you say before you say it. Amen. They all aren't excited about this one. This one, I think this one's great. Uh, I think, okay, so here's here's what I mean. Um, My mom, God bless my mom. She's like 75, 76 years old. One of the things that she instilled in me as a young man, whenever I didn't have any clue, was Honey. Sometimes you just need to think about what you're going to say before you say it. (laughs) And, you know, like I feel like sometimes my mouth would just open and I would start talking and I wouldn't really know where the sentence is going to go until after my mouth is already rolling, okay? And so wouldn't it make sense for us to apply that same principle whenever we're talking to the God of the universe? Um, Pastor Brandon, this past week, sent me a really fun prayer that we transcribed. Can we put it up here? Um, Oh, Yes. So this is a prayer that we uh, stole from somewhere and we just transcribed it. And I just wanted to put it up here on the screen so that we can read it together. Don't recite it with me. I just want to read it out loud. Y'all can follow along. And you'll kind of get what I'm saying at, what I'm getting at. And Father, we, um, we just want to thank you for your blessings and uh, we just, Lord, want to uh, thank you, Lord, for just really being so good to us, Father. And Father, we thank you. We just ask that you just forgive us of all of our sins, Father. How many fathers are there in this? It's like God forgot that he was a father. And um, just bless us now, Father. There's another one. And just lead, guide, and direct us, Lord. And we just ask all of this in Jesus' name, Father. Amen. You see what I'm saying? Isn't that, that's a real prayer. That's a real prayer that got recorded by some poor guy and put on the internet. <laughs> like, That's unfortunate. And some of y'all are like, Pastor Stewart, I'm pretty sure I've heard you go pretty close to that before. Well, I'm working on it. I think it would be a great idea, just as a general philosophy for us as God's people who are trying to talk to Him, just think about what you're going to say before you say it. To, uh, <clears throat> plan what you're going to say. Now, this is a common practice between parents and their children. That's something that every parent says to their kids, but a practice that I've recently started working on. Um, is the idea of writing out prayers. Anybody in here keep a prayer journal, you write down your prayers? I find that that's helpful. if you if you write your prayers, and I think that's helpful because your pen moves slower than your brain and your mouth does. You know what I'm talking about? Because if you just start talking, your brain and your mouth can get out there a little bit fast. And if you write it down, it's like, oh, no, I can. in fact, the prayers that we pray for our uh, city council members um, are called to worship prayers very often and uh, the prayers that we pray for other local churches, those are written down ahead of time. I, I write those because I want to be careful. I want to make sure that I'm saying exactly what I, what I want to say about those churches and petitioning the Lord in the, in the proper way on their behalf and for them. <coughs> All right. So think about what you're going to say whenever you say it. And when you're thinking about what you're going to say, plan arguments and reminders for God. You ever seen that before? When you're thinking about what you're going to say, play in arguments and reminders for God. Wait, 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 pastor, you're saying I'm going to argue with God. Yes, that's exactly what I'm going to say. This is a very biblical practice. If you, if you go back to Jacob, Jacob is praying for salvation from Esau whenever he's wrestling with God in the garden. What's he doing? He's, he's arguing with God. God, you promised. You promised. You said, bless me. You said you would bless me. Bless me. You promised. That's him arguing with God. Whenever... We see David praying that the Lord wouldn't kill him. Do you remember why David said, Lord, don't kill me? Do you remember all the reasons that David asked the Lord not to kill him? It's because David was saying, don't let my enemies mock you because they know your promises too. David is reminding God, God, remember the promises that you made? If you kill me, If I lose, if if this is all destroyed, then your enemies will mock me and you because they saw your promises too. You can remind, you can argue, you can go through all of those things. David prayed that the Lord would not kill him so that his enemies wouldn't gloat over him and mock God. God, don't let the devil have the last laugh. Save me, help me for your glory and for your kingdom. Like a lot of my foot prayers, I'm embarrassed that this is even in this stinking video. A lot of my foot prayers for the last week have been, God, I think I could be more fruitful with two feet. Amen. (laughs) I think I could. Let's pray. Amen. This is a part of God's design. Remind him of his promises to you as his people and make an argument. I think it's a sign of faith. You're appealing to him based on what he said because you believe his promises. You see how that works? You believe what he said is true. God, you said! So please help. Please help. All right. Last thing and most important. You can screw the rest of this up. You can, you can throw all of this away, but you still have this final point. And if you do, if you have this piece, you'll be all right. But if you don't, Your prayers won't be heard. Here's the point. When you pray, say what? Father. Why does that matter? That implies you are in a right relationship with God. If you're in rebellion, if you have your back turned, if you are not submitting to the Lord, if you are not following Him in all of life, if you are rebelling against Him and His law and His commands, if you have unrepented, unconfessed sins, He will not hear you. James chapter 4 verse 6 God opposes the proud. If you are angry and going nuclear on all your relationships and refusing to humble yourself and confess your sins, he won't hear you. First Peter chapter 3 verse 7. Likewise husbands live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. In other words, if you're not doing that, your prayers are hindered. Did y'all catch that? If you're just so in strife and discord, and if you have unrepentant, unconfessed sin in your heart, your prayers don't make it. He doesn't hear them. If you're carrying around all this uh, unconfessed sin, if you're, if you're so in discord and strife in your marriage and in your children's relationships and in all these things, God does not hear you. So confess. Confess. I just had, I had a great meeting with some people this past week, some good friends of mine who are, are working through some things in their lives. And my whole advice to them in our whole time of counseling together was just confess. That's all you got to do. All you, just confess your sins as soon as it happens. Keep short lists and get it over with. Because largely, then your prayers will make it. You see? He'll hear them. They won't be hindered. You can't get God on your side if you're consistently rejecting the way that He says the world should work. Psalm chapter 5, verse 4. For you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. You destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. But preacher, I do have unconfessed sin. I do have lies that I haven't dealt with. I am sowing discord in my relationships. I I have gone nuclear on my marriage and on my children. What do I do? Well, think about it like this. What would a good dad do if his kid is just in total rebellion to him the whole time inside of his house? What would a good dad do? A good dad would say, love you. Bye. Come back when you got yourself straight, right? I mean, that would be the disposition of a good father. A good father's got a kid in his house that's just living in complete, a son in his house who's living in complete, not a rebellion. The father says, you can't do that here. That's not how this works. But what does that child do to be restored? Well, what does the story of the prodigal son say? It's so simple. What does he do to be restored? He just goes home. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done it that way. I'm sorry. I confess. I repent. And what does a good dad do when his son confesses and repents? He brings him home. Right away. Right away. So if that's you, if you're carrying around this stuff in your heart and you're refusing to confess and repent, do it. If you're the prodigal and that's why your prayers have been hindered, confess and repent. Do it. Follow and trust the Lord and watch the way that He changes and impacts your life prayer is a great gift that the Lord has given us and we've wasted it for so long because we've simply been doing it the wrong way or we've been doing it with hindrances with sin and baggage if that's you confess follow the Lord trust him with all of your days and I would encourage you to call him father let's pray